You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. All right, so let's go ahead and get my introduction out of the way, just in case you are new to my ministry. Um, my name's Matt. I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. All my books, hey, thank you so much. All my books are available on Amazon and paperback and Kindle. Check them out if you get some time. Hello, good morning. Hi. Hey, Steve. Now, if you have read any of my books, please go back to Amazon and leave me a quick review or wherever you purchased the book from. Maybe you purchased the book from Goodreads, Barnes & Noble, wherever you purchased the book, I would greatly appreciate a review. I do get emails letting me know how much somebody enjoyed my book, but they forget to leave me a review, so please do that. All right, I also have a podcast. I'm recording the latest episode live on Instagram. This is where I record them. Thank you for joining me live. Um, if you're listening to the podcast in the future, please pause it, leave me a quick review, and then come back and finish listening to the podcast. Um, if you want to listen to me on a podcast, I'm available on every major podcast platform. Just search Walk Talks with Matt McMillan, and you will be able to find it there. All right, and what else? I'm on YouTube. I do get a lot of requests for certain topics. What have you said about this? What have you talked about this? You can actually go to my YouTube channel. You could search any particular keyword. Like I had somebody reach out to me this morning and say, um, what about this uh, deny yourself, carry your cross, or go and sin no more? I've done stuff on that. So to save yourself an email or contacting me, you can actually just go to YouTube and search it. Or you can go to my website. On my website, you can search the topics page. I have everything categorized there, and I think you'll be able to find it very easily. All right. Um, oh, also, while you're on my website, be sure to sign up for the free daily devotional. I will send you a, an email early every morning. I think it will help you a lot. Um, also, I'm not a pastor. <laughs> I get called Pastor Matt all the time, and I'm not insulting people who have that title of pastor, but nobody has a title of pastor in Scripture. The word pastor is only used once in the New Testament epistles in Ephesians chapter 4. We see no list of qualifications to be a pastor. We see no list of authority. So we are giving people authority who, according to Scripture, there's no authority. Also, they have no qualifications to be in a position. The reason why we see what we see today, mainly, is because of the Reformation. Now, the Reformation took this word pastor and finagled into what we see today. And we think because it's hundreds of years old, it's true, but that's not the truth. <laughs> it's true if it's based on the gospel. And Jesus said, it will never be like this among you in Matthew chapter 20. You will all be brothers and sisters. He actually says the Gentiles want to lord over one another. You guys won't do that. So there's not any type of hierarchy. Now, just quick side note, since I brought up the words Gentile. Gentile, according to Jesus at this time, is somebody who is not Jewish. Okay, A Gentile is somebody who's non-Jew. Okay, that's it. And this was before the new covenant was brought into play, which at the cross, both Jew and Gentile became a whole new creation because of Christ. But before the cross, he compared the unbelieving Gentiles to having hierarchies, a top-down authority, honorific titles. On this side of the cross, we don't see that anywhere. Okay, so I put that in my introduction because I want you to be confident in who you are as a child of God. You don't have to have any title. You just get to be yourself and express Christ. All right. If you want to contact me, 
it's really simple to get a hold of me, go to my website and go over to the contact page. I'll be glad to interact with you there. All right, so let's get to today's Walk Talk. Does going to church make you a Christian? Now, the reason why I'm doing this particular episode today of Walk Talks is because I made a TikTok video a couple days ago and it's been viewed, I want to say 1.3 million times by the time I'm doing this live. That was last time I checked. So it went viral. It was on TikTok and I've had videos go viral before, but this one really stood out to me because of the comments. So the comments you got on both sides and in, in this TikTok video, and be sure to check it out, go to my TikTok profile, and I've actually got it pinned at the top of my profile. In this TikTok pro, uh, video, all I did was say, you're still a Christian, even though you're not going to church, okay? This helped a lot of people understand some stuff, but it also upset a lot of people. Now, um, because of that, I want to talk about this in great detail today. Does going to church make you a Christian? Because when you hear this, you immediately think I'm saying, don't go to church. That's the first thing somebody hears when they find their identity in going to a building. When they find their worth in how often they're going. Okay, It's the same thing as when you first hear you're completely forgiven. If you find your identity in sinning less, you're going to think that I'm telling you to sin. So Paul got accused of stuff all the time. I get accused of stuff all the time. People are going to hear what they want to hear. But let's just clear up the, the water right here from the beginning. I never tell anybody not to go to church. I never tell anybody to sin. <laughs> so there it is. You're free, my friend. You're free. So far be it from me to tell you to not do something, to not go somewhere. I never do that. You're free to go to church. You're free to not go to church. You are free. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about that in great detail today. And I'm going to go over some of the stuff that really our modern church has really dropped the ball on. And that's why a lot of people think what they think today. Okay. But you know, the reason why you think, and not you, but if you think this, if the shoe foot fits where it, I always say that, um, the reason why most people think you have to go to church and it is a commandment by God is because of the early church fathers. Now the early church fathers, heavy on the word fathers, because Jesus said, call no man father. We don't call any man father. <laughs> he also said, don't call anybody rabbi. Don't call anybody teacher. Okay. <laughs> the book of Hebrews says, we will all know him from the least to the greatest. Why? Because his spirit is in here and his spirit teaches us from within. Okay. So we have a group of people called the early church fathers who basically all it is, is it's old, old people. Okay, and just because it's old doesn't mean it's true. Like I was telling you, humanity screws stuff up. And from the beginning, the early church fathers, air quotes on the fathers, because they are not authentic fathers. You only have one father, <laughs> your father in heaven. You have, a, you have a physical father. You can call your physical father, father. 
But as far as calling a man father, Jesus said, don't do that. Okay. Now, Paul said that he is a father to them, but he's speaking about his age. So you don't call people father. So when you attempt to get your doctrine from early church fathers, that's a very slippery slope. They were screwing stuff up from the beginning. Okay. And I've done multiple walk talks on this. So if you want to know what I've already talked about in regard to the early church fathers, search my YouTube channel. You can Google it. Just search church fathers or early church fathers and my name, or you can just go to my YouTube channel and you can search it there. But here's what happened from the beginning. We wanted a building. And when I say we, that's a soft we. It's just like in the first chapter of 1 John, when he says, if we confess our sins, it's a kind way of saying you, okay? John knows that he was already forgiven, okay? I know that we don't need to have a building. And again, I'm not against a building. And so many times, just quick side note, people are saying, oh, Matt's saying that you got to have house churches. I'm not saying that either. A lot of people turn house churches into just little mini churches. You still got that honorific title. You still got the top-down authority. And then you begin to have people say, we have a house church, so we are authentic. That's not true either. Okay? <laughs> There's no house churches. There's no building churches. You are the church. I am the church. The word church in scripture is ecclesia. Ecclesia is a living organism. It is the body of Christ. It is not a place. One of the early church fathers who did get this right, he said, you cannot go to what you are. Okay, but from the beginning, they wanted a building. Started back then. I'm not going to go over the history of all that because that's a walk talk in itself. But then in the 16th century, the Reformation happened, which was a supposed spinoff from Catholicism. And <laughs> they took this and ran with it. Okay. Calvin, John, Cal so it was Martin Luther, John Calvin. Those are the two top dogs when it comes to the Reformation. There are some others, I know. But John Calvin really, really, really liked the word pastor. And he really, really liked to pressure people into getting up and going to church on Sunday. So the Puritans sat under Calvinism. Okay, the Puritans were Calvinists. And Here's a red flag for you. When you see somebody's last name and then an ism, and then you want to build doctrine on that, that's a pretty slippery slope. Okay? So, <laughs> John Calvin struggled with tons of error. I'm not saying he wasn't saved. I'm saying he had a lot of stuff that is opposing the gospel. Okay? One of those things were go to church. When there is no go to church. Okay. If you decide to go to a building, if you decide to gather at a building, that's your prerogative, that's your freedom, but there's nothing in scripture. Now, one of the passages that he would use is Hebrews 10, 25. Okay. Do not forsake the assembly. That's completely out of context. Who was this written to? The Hebrews. Did the Hebrews get up on Sunday and go to church? No. As a matter of fact, the Sabbath was actually on Saturday. And Deuteronomy 4.2 says you can't modify the law. So Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the assembly, is not thou shalt go to church. They had two different places that they went to. They went to the synagogue, which there was multiple synagogues. Synagogue is not church. Synagogue was a place of Jewish tourist study. And then they had the temple. The temple, there was no preaching there. The temple was a place of 
animal sacrifices so you can get atonement for your sins. So Hebrews 10.25 is not thou shalt go to church. The first church as a building wasn't even erected until about 150 years later. And then in the 4th century, when Constantine came into power, he solidified this building as a church by mimicking the Roman Basilica, where you have a stage up front, you have a passive audience with places called pews, which means lowered seats. You sit down, you shut up, you listen, or you leave. This is nowhere in the Bible, okay? It's only one section of the Bible where we see any detailed account of our gatherings. Just one section, one. And that is in first, that is in first Corinthians 11 through 14. If there any other part of the Bible where you wanna say this is our church gatherings, that is simply you having your conscience superimposed by somebody else with a different view of that section of scripture because it's out of context. Only 1 Corinthians 11 through 14. Some people even want to use 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus as pastoral letters, and this is how you are to run the church. <laughs> Listen to this. Timothy was not a pastor. Titus was not a pastor. That began with the Reformation. The reformers wanted these to be pastoral letters. Now, if they were pastors, there's no scriptural evidence of that. And if they were pastors, they weren't what we see today as a pastor because that didn't start until the one bishop rule in the second century. Titus and Timothy was written before that. And then the whole pastoral king in the church hierarchy started with Martin Luther. So Timothy, what Paul said was do the work of an evangelist. But we hear this and we're like, eh, eh, eh. our conscience is just like, eh, because your conscience is seared by what you've been taught from granddad, great granddad, <laughs> pastor so-and-so. See, all of these thoughts are focused on a human, not on the spirit within you. But the spirit within you will reveal we're equal in every way. Why? Because of Christ. Paul said this. In Galatians, you are all one in Christ. Okay, so this whole structure of what we see today for church and a person having to get up on a particular day to go to prove or to make you a Christian is all, here's the word, it's all tradition of men. That's all it is. It's man-made tradition because it's not based on the Bible. There's nothing in the Bible that tells you to go to a building. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to go to a place on Sunday. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So you're free if you decide to go. That's your freedom. It is not a commandment by God. Even remember the Sabbath and keep it holy because of what Cyprian of Carthage did by taking a bunch of stuff from Judaism and then shoving it into the body of Christ, we have used remember the Sabbath and keep it holy from one of the Ten Commandments in an effort to say this is go to church. Remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy was not them going to church. Now, did they go to the synagogue sometimes on the Sabbath? Yes, but that's not church. Also, it was on Sunday. 
or it's on Saturday. So if you think you are keeping the Sabbath holy by going on Sunday, you're actually not. So if your mind goes to, well, I am going to start keeping the Sabbath holy by going to church on Saturday, then I'm going to keep it holy. So here's the thing with that. If you decide to do that, you're putting yourself under the law. And if you don't do all 613 commandments, not just the one, you've broken all of them and you're cursed and you have to be a Hebrew person. So Ephesians chapter two says, if you're not a Jewish person, that's not your covenant. And the covenant included 613 commandments, 10 of which are the 10 commandments. One of those 10 commandments are remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. James said, if you break one commandment, you break them all. Paul said in Galatians chapter three, you are cursed if you don't continue to do everything in the book of the law. You make Christ of no value. So you don't get to cherry pick. The law is not a buffet line. You can't just say, I'm going to do this, but not this. So you have to repent from law observance toward grace. All right. We respect the law. We're not antinomian. We're not saying the law is bad. We're saying it's perfect. We are saying exactly what Paul is saying in Romans chapter seven. The law is good, but when I put myself under the law, I sin more. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, the very next chapter says. And before that, he said, sin will no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but under grace. So everything that has to do with all of the commandments, you have to say, that's not for me. I live on this side of the cross and I live under grace. So you do not hear this, <laughs> most of our churches. So when I get into the topic of does going to church, and I know, just a really quick side note, because I know somebody just heard me talk about the commandments and they're like, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Yes, but so often when we hear the word commandment, our head explodes and we think we got to start doing a bunch of stuff. So when Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments, he's not talking about the 10 commandments. He's not talking about the 613 commandments. Those weren't his commandments. That's why they wanted to kill him because you're not allowed to have commandments, Jesus. So Jesus is describing how you will obey his commandments because you love him. You know, so often we hear people say, I got to do more stuff to show God that I love him. Do I love God more than this? Well, that's a dead end street because according to the law, they couldn't do that. The two greatest commandments in the law could not be achieved. So what makes you think that you doing something or not doing something on this side of the cross would cause you to prove you love God? Here's how much you love God. In Ephesians chapter six, Paul said, you have an incorruptible love written on you. It's incorruptible. It's undying. So you don't do anything to conjure up something that is in you. You don't do anything to conjure up something that you are. You do love God. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied about this and he said, God will cause you, cause you to walk in his ways. So once you believe you receive his love and it is actually poured into you, it's his spirit. Okay, so Jesus has two commandments and we see those in the book of first John, believe and love. And these commandments, he says, are not burdensome and his commandments are not burdensome. 
Moses's commandments are very burdensome. 2 Corinthians 3 actually calls them a ministry of death and condemnation. So Jesus's commandments are not the same commandments of Moses. Different set of commandments. This is why in John 1.17 it said, The law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. It is juxtaposed to one another. So we have to come to the understanding of when I see the word commandment in the Bible, is this talking about one of the commandments in the law? If it is, that does not apply to me. If it is talking about believe or love, that does apply to me. And I'm not doing anything to express that. I'm being a branch. Branches don't try hard to produce fruit. They rest and they trust the vine. Okay, so this message of easiness is very difficult to understand. I get it. <laughs> but we don't hear this in most of our churches. So when you get into the topic of does going to church make you a Christian, as I touched on in the beginning of this walk talk, you might be thinking I'm saying don't go to church, but I'm not saying that. I'm saying you're free. But the reality is there are a lot of things that I just said to you, which are preached at church, which oppose everything I just said. Everything. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I normally don't even talk about this. Somebody did an entire sermon on me. An entire sermon. <laughs> I, was, I was kind of flattered. <laughs> but bullet points of everything that I just listed, it's all based on the gospel. You know, if going to church was the gospel, I would preach that. If going to church was how you made God pleased with you, I would preach that. But that's not the gospel. So if going to church is not the gospel in order to prove you're a Christian, what is the gospel? You know, the word gospel just means message. Okay. But the gospel, according to what we have trusted in order to be saved, Paul calls it in Acts 20, 24, the gospel of grace. Now this causes the gospel to be the good news. <laughs> if it's just any gospel, any message, it's not good news. But when it is the gospel of grace, according to 2024 of the book of Acts, that is how you know it's good news. So in order to make yourself a Christian by going to a church, therefore ignoring the gospel of grace, that's going to cause a lot of a turmoil in your life. So if, if going to church is not the gospel and the gospel is the gospel of grace, and then John 1.17 says, Jesus is grace. Grace and truth came through Jesus. Then what is the message that needs to be preached? And when I say the word preach, because of the Reformation and the word pastor and minister, 
being matched up with the word preach, you think I'm talking about somebody on stage preaching. No, we never see a pastor preach in the Bible. We never see a minister preach in the Bible. The word minister never is a noun. It is a description. So when I say if it needs to be preached, I'm just saying it needs to be spoken. The word preach means to speak. There was a donkey who preached in the Bible. There were women who preached in the Bible. Never a pastor. But you think that because of the Reformation. You think that because of man-made tradition. And Jesus warned against becoming a slave of man-made tradition. Paul warned against the same thing. The message that needs to be preached is Jesus. This is not a popular message. <laughs> That's the reality. What you typically will see, not all the places, and again, just real quickly, I'm not saying every church is bad. I'm not saying every church is good. I'm talking about Jesus. If there are certain churches who understand what Christ accomplished and Christ is the center of that church and it is organically clear that there's no hierarchy, there's no top-down authority, nobody's in charge. It is just a bunch of believers who are expressing Christ. That's what the Bible looks like. But we don't see that at most of our churches. You know, we just don't see it. <laughs> so when you hear this message about Jesus, it's strange. Like, this is strange. Even though, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is great. But when you hear the fullness, the, the unadulterated, undiluted message about Christ, all of these other things are going to be difficult to deal with. So if going to church doesn't make you a Christian and most of our churches don't teach the message about Jesus, what, what are we hearing at these places? For the most part, for the most part, what you hear at these places is a be like me message. Be like me. It is a message of I'm on stage. I sin less. You're doing bad stuff. You need to do less bad stuff. And then you need to be like me. So what we, what we will hear is, you need to strive for holiness. Now, it might not come across like that. It might be a different flavor. Oh, you need to strive for holiness. That is how you know it is a true man of God. Whatever flavor you're getting it from. Be like me is the message. Not Jesus, but the person on stage. Not grace, but the person on stage. Not the gospel of grace, but the person on stage. Not everybody. So if you're feeling insulted or if you're taking offense for somebody, I'm not attacking anybody. <laughs> I'm saying I'll be 42 years old next month. I grew up in the church. Not only did I grow up in the church, I was in foster homes where I had flavors of every single different denomination. So I've had it all. 
and the overwhelming majority of our pulpits teach a be like me message. You could be very, very good looking, very fit. You're really good at being nice. Be like me. I used to be a jailbird. Now I'm a pastor. Be like me. You need to be, but don't be all the way like me because I'm not perfect yet. And, and here it comes. The false humility stuff. The false humility stuff just sneaks right in there. It's like, oh, be like me. Be ho Oh, but I'm not holy yet. I am striving for holiness. So then we have double talk. We got people speaking out of this side of their mouth and then this side of their mouth. Be like me, but don't be like me. But be like me, but don't be like me. No, Jesus. <laughs> just be like me, but don't be like me. The reality is, you are holy. No, there's not anyone holy. Yeah, we are holy. Colossians 1.22 says you're holy. Oh, be holy because God is holy. You are. That's a descriptive passage. But when we hear preaching that doesn't teach us how you become holy, but instead be like me, but don't be like me because I'm not holy. This is confusing. Why? Because Jesus is not the focus. <laughs> okay. Jesus, if this person on stage actually believed that what Jesus did at the cross was sufficient, he would say, I'm holy. Another word for holy is sanctified. The word sanctified simply means to set apart. Saint is the noun version of sanctified one. And when Paul wrote all of his letters, did he say to the nasty buttheads in Rome, to the disgusting dirty worms in Thessalonica, to you trash people in Colossians, to you disgusting wicked sinners over here in Thessalonica. No, he said to the saints in Rome, to the saints in Colossae, to the saints in Thessalonica, to the saints, to the saints, to the saints. But because of the be like me, but don't be like me, double talk weird preaching. <laughs> I'm really good. I got a zillion followers on. Don't do it, McMillan. Don't do it. <laughs> uh, I can feel myself getting triggered about this because I know what it feels like to either. Well, I, I know the truth, so it doesn't really bother me on social media, but I know what it's like when you don't understand that you're holy and this double talk of false humility garbage of be like me be holy oh yes or you, you just gotta strive to be holy you just gotta, I'm, a, I'm a be holier than all y'all just watch me i'm gonna repent better than all. but i'm not really holy but i'm holy why is it like this because jesus is not the focus of the message or you get somebody who's up on stage I'm not even going to do it because I will get straight pissed if I do this impersonation. But somebody gets up on stage and they're super angry at you or they act like they are and they whack their Bible and they scowl and they point and they spit and they stammer. 
know Jesus. What's really bad about that is you got people in the crowd, amen in that. Amen, amen, get him. Amen, yes, yes. Know Jesus. But you still got to go to church to prove you're a Christian. Know Jesus. Just fury from some dude on stage. Or double talk. <laughs> or somebody who's super good looking and charismatic, but they just don't talk about Jesus. I really like these people. <laughs> but you rarely hear about... Yeah, no, hold on just a second. I shouldn't say they never talk about Jesus. I don't think I said never. I think I said rarely. They pepper him in now and because this is Christian, right? Oh yeah, Jesus. Yeah, got to get some of that pepper that Jesus in. Yeah. But I'm gonna do a live on TikTok, a live on YouTube, and then live on Instagram all at the same time. And you can just get up and work out and be tough and good looking like me. And then you can be soft and gentle at the same time. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. This is how I used to do it. I used to be like this. Now I'm like this. Be like me. Oh yeah, Jesus. Pepper some Jesus in there. Yeah, It's Christian, right? Oh yeah, I got to talk about Jesus. Be like me. <laughs> there are even some people who I follow on social media and they're former porn actors. And now their entire message is purity. Oh, because you stopped acting in porn, now you became pure? No. If you believed before you started doing the porn, you were pure, but you were doing something debaucherous. And as you can see, it didn't set right with you, did it? And now you feel better because you repented, right? <laughs> you didn't stop the porn to get pure. You didn't write books to get pure. You didn't become a pastor to get pure. What's the only thing, calm down. What's the only thing that can make you pure? Stop, stopping the porn? Oh, are you sure it's good enough? You sure? The only thing that can make you pure. It's not what you do. You got to live a lifestyle of purity. Oh, you got to. You telling people they don't have to hear. We're right back to it. When you tell people the truth about what Jesus has done, they want to accuse you of doing something the opposite of that. Because they cannot fathom it. I stopped the porn. I'm a pastor now. I stopped the porn. I have a podcast now. Okay. You, so you're pure now, right? What if you started over again? Would you no, be, no longer be pure? Nope, I wouldn't be pure. Okay, so now you're pure, but you're not pure. So the blood of Jesus didn't really purify you, right? What did you do? We see something similar in the book of Hebrews. These Hebrew people thought that they were purifying themselves and cleansing themselves. How? Not by repenting of sins, but through animal blood sacrifices. The Hebrew people never stopped sinning in order to say, I am now pure. The only thing that could possibly, air quotes, purify them is the blood of animals. And it had to be repeated year after year after year after year. Christ comes along and boom, by one offering, you have been made perfect. By one offering, you have been sanctified. By one offering, you have been cleansed, righteous, justified. Everything that Christ is, is yours. 
we don't hear this. <laughs> we do not hear this. We hear you have to do something. We hear, I'm not holy, but I am holy. Be like me, but don't be like me. Oh, you're just being part of the world. Oh, you, you listen to the secular music. Is this not going to make me holy? No. The book of Hebrews says only the blood of Jesus can make you holy. So he's just pouring out his blood again and again and again and again. No, he's not. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, After providing purification, after providing, if I could talk, after providing purifications for sins, what did he do? What did he do? He get back up on the cross? Again, no, he sat down. There was no chair in the temple because the work was never done. Christ comes along, purifies you once and for all time. The offer is on the table. If you want to accept this purification, everybody's not purified. Everybody's not forgiven. This is not universalism. This is not inclusionism. This is the offer is pushed out onto the table. What do you want to do with it? Do you want to be reconciled with God through faith in Jesus Christ? Or do you want to think that you're going to stop doing that in order to cleanse yourself a little bit more? A little bit of cleansing. They just can't fathom this. They call this ongoing sanctification. Progressive sanctification. Oh, you're just talking about progressive sanctification. That is a lifelong deal. No, it's not. Hebrews chapter 13 says the only thing that could sanctify you is the blood of Jesus. Not what you do. Matter of fact, the Hebrew people were being scolded for attempting to sanctify themselves through the blood offerings at the temple. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, You have been sanctified. Hebrews 10.10 says, You have been sanctified. That's you. Now, what about the future tense sanctification passages in the Bible? What about what you got to say about that? That's the sanctification right there. Nope. All the context around those passages are describing people who will believe in the future. The author of every letter in the Bible doesn't know who has believed or who hasn't believed, but he knows if they continue to hear, if they continue in the faith, then they will have the opportunity to receive the sanctification which can only come through Jesus. You do not hear this at churches. Instead, you got to get up and go to church. Do not forsake the assembly. Got to hear pastor. Got to get a word. Got to get fed. I'm hungry for the Lord. But Jesus said, if you come to him, you will hunger and thirst no more. Got to get my soul fed. You're stuffed. You're full to the brim. You can't get any more stuffed than Christ in you. But you hear, you got to sin less. You got to repent. Are you repentant? Did you repent of that sin? Did you repent? Nope. I'm still struggling with, oh, you're not really a Christian. Okay, so I'm only forgiven until I sin again. So what about when you sin? Oh, well, when I sin, I repent every single time. Yeah, every single time. Are you sure? How do you know? But because of the frontier revivalists from the 17, 18, and 19th century, we have turned this word repent into a work. And because frontier revivalism was so popular, now it's interwoven with all of our church services, our liturgy. We think that you have to stop a sin 
to be forgiven. And when you hear that you don't, you think you're being told to sin. It's the same thing. <laughs> Should we continue and sin? No. Who says that? Just because I tell you you're forgiven and you don't stop a sin to be forgiven doesn't mean I'm telling you to sin. That's called licentiousness. And the whole book of Jude is written about that. Unbelievers who had snuck in and were trying to pervert the gospel by saying, let's sin some more. I don't say that. I say you should repent. <laughs> sin is not for you. You're holy. You're righteous. You're blameless. You have God's divine nature. Peter tells us in the second letter he wrote, but you don't hear this. You hear double talk. You see hiding. You see spiritual abuse. You see physical abuse. You see sexual abuse. You see codependency. You see subjugation. You see, mm, calm down. Oh man, I'm so triggered right now. Everything that, mm, everything that we see today, all of the bad stuff at our churches, this, this king in the church, <laughs> this everything, this <laughs> nepotism trash. There's nepotism galore in my neck of the woods. Love you guys. It's because that location does not make Jesus the center of the message. If Jesus was the center of the message, grace would be the center of the message. Because Acts 20, 24 says the gospel is the gospel of grace. John 1, 17 says Jesus is grace. Therefore, if you want your, your gatherings, your groups, your fellowship to be authentic, Jesus has to be the center. But so often we go to these places, you never hear about Jesus. Just kind of peppered in, like I said, now and again. Oh, and be careful with that grace. <laughs> oh, grace. Oh, yeah, the grace stuff. <laughs> Here we go with that. Grace. Here's what they do with, with the word grace. They insult the word grace by calling it free. Be careful with that free grace. That would be like saying, be careful with that wet water. Grace is nothing but free. The author of Hebrews says, it is good for your heart to be strengthened by law observance. Does he say that? It is good for your heart to be strengthened by going to church on Sunday and getting a word. Does he say that? No. It is good for your heart to be strengthened by you getting up every day, having a devotional time, writing books, posting on social media, making memes. Does he say that? No. He says, it is good. And I do that stuff. <laughs> the later part. <laughs> the latter part. Whatever. He says, it is good for your heart to be strengthened by grace. It is good, but yet they insult grace by calling it free grace. Be careful with the free grace. <laughs> that is basically like saying, be careful with the gospel. Be careful with Jesus. But they don't like to talk about Jesus. I was watching a really famous preacher preaching on TikTok the other day, and it, was a, it wasn't live or anything, 
But you know, I follow accounts where I blatantly disagree with them, but I don't comment. <laughs> I don't stir up any trouble. I follow them because I want to keep a pulse on what people are hearing because I don't subject myself to this stuff without knowing. And I do know. And this person, <laughs> this is like a, a five minute long TikTok and TikToks, you can, you know, you can do them really long now. He did this entire message and I was waiting for him to talk about Jesus, even say the word Jesus. And he's very, very popular. Not once. Not one time. Now, maybe he did. I don't know. It was a five minute clip, five, six, seven, whatever it was. Not in that clip. All he did in that clip was do be like me preaching. I don't always preach in America. I do most of my preaching over here in these countries. And you wouldn't believe how much different it is over there from this Christianity that we call Christianity. Kept using that word in America. You think you could just go to a revival and say Jesus is the Lord? No, you have to have repentance. <laughs> Oh, but you got to strive for it. You got to strive for holiness. Be like me. Be like me. All this secular music, secular TV, everything. Be like me. I strive for holiness. Be like me. I don't listen to the secular music. Be like me. I repent every time I sin. Be like me. Be like me. Be like me. No, Jesus. Just be like me preaching. Be like me. My first book, I wrote that way because I stopped drinking, even though I struggled with alcoholism for from the time I was 15 to the time I was 32. I stopped doing a bunch of bad stuff. <laughs> so flipping what? Who gives a rip? Good job, Matt. You stopped drinking. That's why I try not to talk about it too much. You know, I want to help people who struggle with addictions, but you know, so many people are, I'll just stop it. I'll just stop it. Grace. Grace, if I was still drinking right now and I had a beer in my hand right now, I would still be holy. I would still be sanctified. But the Holy Spirit within me would be telling me, that's not for you, Matt. You don't have an off button. Drinking's not for you. But I'd still be holy. Why? Was it because I put down the drink? No. It was because I trusted Jesus when I was a little boy. And I was washed, I was cleansed, I was justified, I was sanctified, I was set apart. I died, I was crucified with Christ. I was buried with him in the tomb and I was resurrected and fully united. I inherited the very DNA of God Almighty. Drunkenness is not for me. Romans chapter 6, Galatians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians 5, Colossians chapter 2. All throughout scripture, you'll hear about what happened to you, but you don't get taught that. It's just be like me. Be like me. Oh, but don't be like me. I used to do this. Now I do this. Be like me. And I went back and I rewrote my book. <laughs> It was like that thick and now it's like half the size because I went back after I understood the new covenant. I was like, eh, no, nope, eh, no, nope, eh, no, nope, because eh, I didn't know. 
but the Holy Spirit revealed this to me. You don't have to talk about that so much. Talk about me instead. So you're going to get bored with my ministry eventually <laughs> if you want some be like me preaching. Because rarely are you going to hear about my personal life. Rarely are you ever going to hear me say, do something like me. And if I do, I'll try to throw in a little caveat because you don't have to do anything like me. You need to be yourself. You're not me. I've tried that. I've tried posturing like certain individuals, sounding like certain individuals, and even hearing myself back and like, that's weird. Now I get on here and I be my authentic self. If you don't like it, okay, that's fine. <laughs> But I don't ever want you to think when I listen to Matt, I'm going to get some be like me preaching. I'm going to, I'm going to have repentance and faith. You can't just have repentance. You got to have repentance and faith. You can't just have faith. You got to have faith and repentance. Be like me. Going to church plant. Going to serve. Oh, I've been too busy serving. Sorry I couldn't get back to you sooner. I've been busy serve, serving. Somebody texted me that one time. I sent somebody a text. Didn't get back to me for four or five days. Oh, sorry, I couldn't get back to you. I was too busy serving. Hmm. Be like me. Be like me. Be like me. Go to church and be like me. Go to seminary and be like me. We don't <laughs> know Jesus, but they insult grace and they call it free grace. They say, be careful with that grace. And here's what, here's what Paul said about this in Romans 11. And here's the thing with, with really quick side note here. <laughs> I don't care about the time today. If you guys don't like it, <laughs> keep scrolling or, or listen to something else or watch something else. But I want to talk today. Really quick side note today. The Bible was not written in chapters and verses. And if we knew this, we would stop with all of the proof texting. We would stop with all of the verse-itis. Ver chapters weren't even added to scripture until the 13th century. So when you sat down and you read, you read the whole letter. They did not build theology on one verse, a section of verses, or a chapter. And here's the thing, when chapters were added, there was no rhyme or reason. Okay, but not only that, so you have the chapters in the 13th century, verses weren't added until the 16th century. And there was no rhyme or reason. They were simply added by somebody who was riding on horseback over in Europe from one city to the other. He didn't have anything else to do and he wanted to be able to find stuff easier in scripture. So he added verses. So when I go to a certain verse, I never want you to think Matt's building a theology out of one verse. No, read all of the verse, all of the, the book, all of the letter. If it's still confusing, pan way back and get some historical context around that letter. Find out the timeline of when each letter was written. Find out what was going on in the culture. Don't go to one verse and build a doctrine. Because if you do, it will be what's called demonic doctrine. Doctrine of men. Paul warns against this. But Romans 11, 6. You know, when we get into this, people with the be like me preaching. 
and you got to go to church to be like them. <laughs> and then they call grace free. They insult grace. And I'm going to talk about that here in great detail in just a moment, but I'm building up to that. They say grace is free. Therefore, be careful with that grace, the free grace. There is no other type of grace. If you could earn any part of grace, it's no longer grace. Paul said this in Romans eleven six: If it's based on grace, it cannot be based on works. If it is, it is no longer grace. Faith without works is dead. We're right back to it. And when we get into the book of James, you got a couple different options with James. When we get into the faith without works is dead passage. First of all, there's really three different options here. Number one, James is talking about a one-time act of saving faith. He lists two different people who did one thing, one time. No lifetime of works. Okay? Or this could be the reality that James didn't fully grasp grace just yet. Because James was written in what, 45 AD? The Council of Jerusalem happened in what, 50 AD? And that was in the book of Acts. James is still pushing the law at the Council of Jerusalem. Still mixing in law with grace. In the book of Galatians, James came into town after Paul had already established the gospel and was telling them to put in parts of the law and with grace, namely circumcision. So when you attempt to use the book of James to say you have to have works to prove your faith and then they compare your works to a demon, that's another red flag. You are comparing your works to a demon. Are you sure you have enough works more than a demon? So Romans eleven six 6 stands. If it's based on grace, it cannot be based on works because then grace would no longer be grace. But they don't like that. <laughs> because if it's based on grace, it's based on Jesus, but they don't talk about Jesus in their message. Every once in a while, yeah, oh yeah, Jesus, Christmas and Easter. Oh yeah, this is, here's a little bit of Jesus here because I got to make sure I say Jesus because this is Christian. Jesus is not the center of their message. That's the difference. If Jesus is the center of the message, they won't have the be like me preaching. <laughs> they won't have the double talk of I'm holy, but I'm not holy. You should be like me, but don't be like me because I'm not there. I'm being sanctified, but the sanctification is a process. All of that stuff would just go away because you could just focus on Jesus. But they insult grace by saying it's free. Look at it this way. In the book of Hebrews, Hebrews, well, that's a B right in my face. Hebrews 2.9, the author says, By the grace of God, Jesus tasted death for you. By the grace of God, Jesus tasted death for you. By the grace of God, Jesus tasted death for me? but I got to repent. This makes no sense. I got to go to church. This makes, why would, what? What makes no, it doesn't make any sense because you're not talking, you're not told the true standards of every sin. Death. 
<laughs> You're taught be like me preaching. You got to do better, try harder, come back for more, hate the sin of the world, do street preaching so you can get a bunch of views on your TikTok. By the grace of God, Jesus tasted death for you. That makes no sense because the grace of God is not the focus of the message you hear. By the grace of God, Jesus tasted death for me. Well, this, I, I was told grace is a license to sin. <laughs> well, the Bible says by the grace of God, Jesus tasted death. Why would he need to taste death? And how would that be graceful? The reason... It's because every single sin of yours requires death. The first chapter of the book of Romans says from gossip to murder. You got gluttony. You got drunkenness. You got greed. You got malice. You got all the stuff. Matter of fact, Paul sums it up in Romans chapter 14 by saying, if it, anything is, that's not a faith is sin. So good luck cherry picking. If you want to say, is this a sin? I get so many messages. Is this a sin? Is this a sin? Should I do this? Should I? Anything that's not a faith is sin. I'm not giving you the knowledge of good and evil. There's plenty of stuff in scripture which clearly lists certain sins. You deal with it. But here's the thing. You're forgiven. Ooh, should I do it then if I'm forgiven? Why would you do it if you're forgiven? It's not for you. See that? That's called Grace. And it is the grace of God that teaches us how to live an upright, holy, self-controlled life. He told Titus, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. So you got grace over here teaching you how to live. You got grace over here, which forgave you. Grace seems like the deal, right? <laughs> but it's free. I'll be careful with that free grace. You got to have a balance. <laughs> you got to have a balance of the law. You can't, just, you can't just ignore the law. Oh, yeah. Well, Romans 6, 14 says, sin won't be my master because I'm not under the law, but under grace. So if I want a little bit of sin, I need a little bit of law. You can't balance a little bit of <laughs> yeast leavens the whole lump. You cannot pour new wine into old wine skins. The skin will burst. You cannot patch a new patch of clothing onto old clothing. Once you wash it, it's going to tear off. This is what happens when you attempt to take any part of the law, moral, ceremonial, civil, dietary, wardrobe, whatever you want to take out of the 613 and shove it into the body of Christ. It is going to cause you to sin more Instead, you need to repent towards grace. You need to realize because of God's grace, I will not taste death. Jesus tasted death. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says what? The wages of sin is your wife will leave you. Nope, it doesn't say that. The wages of sin is you'll lose your job. No, it doesn't say that. The wages of sin is you'll get less financial blessings. Nope, it doesn't say that. The wages of sin is somebody's going to talk bad about you and stitch you on social media and then you're really going to get it. Doesn't say that. The wages of sin is cancer. No, it doesn't say that. The wages of sin is your kid is going to die. 
doesn't say that. The wages of sin is you're slapping Jesus in the face and he's going to get you back. Doesn't say that. The wages of sin is death for you. The wages of sin is death. You're not taught that. Because if you realize that the wages of sin is death, then you would realize, according to Hebrews 2.9, Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for you. Now it makes sense. The reason why it's graceful that Jesus tasted death is because he took my place so I don't have to. I'm going to die physically because the power of sin is still here. This is a fallen planet, but I'm going to get a resurrected body. It's going to be just like the body of Jesus when he was resurrected, disappearing and floating and eating and talking and walking. But as far as my spiritual death, I have been crucified with Christ. That old sinful self died. I have been buried in the tomb with Jesus, fully resurrected and then hidden in him. Colossians 2, Colossians 3, Romans 6, Galatians 2. It's all over scripture. We don't hear this. <laughs> we think you got to go to church. You got to get a word. You got to hear pastor. You got to tithe. You can't be greedy. You can't forsake the assembly. Fellowship is so important. Fellowship is so important. Fellowship is so important. Fellowship, Fellowship is very important. If the message is about Jesus, if it's about be like me preaching, it is not important. But you're still free to go. You're still free to go. <laughs> if you decide to subject yourself to the type of fellowship of be like me preaching, everything opposed to everything that has to do with the gospel of grace, everything opposed to everything that has to do with Jesus tasting death for you by the grace of God, everything that has to do with the message, you're free to do that. Fellowship, go do it. Let me know how it works out for you. Let me know. You're free. <laughs> You're free to not do it. But there's no commandment to fellowship. There's no commandment to fellowship. Fellowship is good if that fellowship is based on Jesus. If that fellowship is not based on Jesus, it will ruin your life. But you're free to go. <laughs> and I can speak from experience. I'm going to do some be like me preaching right now. <laughs> I've gone there. I've done that because I thought I needed to be in fellowship. And if I was not in fellowship, if I was not doing, going, striving, trying, something's not right in my life. But what happened was when I realized I don't have to subject myself to this error because it's not about Jesus. <laughs> I began to enjoy my life. So if you are privy to being involved with a group that is focused on Jesus, consider yourself fortunate. <laughs> it's a rarity. It's a rarity. Oh, But they're out there. I know. I know there are some out there. <laughs> You know, and I want to talk about Hebrews 10.29 for a minute. Because Hebrews 10.29 captures what most of our churches teach. Hebrews 10.29, the 
The whole book of Hebrews is about people who worshiped a building, the temple. Hebrews 10.29 was about people who thought they were doing something about their sins. Animal sacrifices. Hebrews 10.29 is about people who hated Jesus, hated the message about Jesus. The whole book of Hebrews is about that. Hebrews 10.29, here's the thing. Hebrews 10.29 is about people who insult grace. That's what most of our churches teach. Building worship. Trampling on the Son of God. Treating the new covenant as unholy, it says. Insulting grace. It says insulting the spirit of grace. And who is the spirit of grace? The Holy Spirit. Where is the Holy Spirit? Here. In here. You don't go somewhere and say, come down, Lord, enter this place, fill this place. I want your presence. No, any tribal religion can do that. The Holy Spirit is in you. And that's the Holy Spirit of grace. But that's what we see today. They insult Jesus. They treat the new covenant as, oh, that's, no, I don't like that. They call it unholy. They want the old covenant of the law. And worst of all, oh, no, I shouldn't say worst of all. They're all three equally worst. They want to do the be like me preaching rather than express the spirit of grace. They insult the spirit of grace. Hebrews 10.29 describes our modern church perfectly. But yet you got to get up and don't forsake the assembly. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> I might visit you now and again. <laughs> you know, and I'm not against church. Who knows? I might get up next week and go to church. Today's Sunday. I typically do these walk, walk talks on Sunday. But that's what we get. <laughs> that's what we get. Does, so does going to church make you a Christian? Absolutely not. That's nowhere to be found in the Bible. There are lots of people who go to church their entire life. They're going to hear depart from me. Why? Because they never trusted Jesus. They never drank in the rain, the author of Hebrews says. They wanted to continue to go to a place because they thought they were doing something at that place to receive more forgiveness, to repent for more forgiveness, <laughs> to do stuff, to go. I got to go forward again. It didn't stick because I really did a bunch of drinking, smoking, cussing, sleeping around this past weekend. I'm going front and I'm laying my burdens down. Well, <laughs> that's nowhere in the Bible. That started with the frontier revivalists. So if you were already saved, you were doing all that stuff as a saint. And as you can see, how's it, how's it working for you? Hmm? It's not for you. Sticking a square peg in a round hole. It's never going to fit. So repent. <laughs> you don't need to go forward and make a big spectacle. You're holy. Be holy because you are holy. You don't hear this at churches though. <sighs> so what makes you a Christian? <laughs> Not going to church. <laughs> Uh, and again, you're free to go. <laughs> Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourself. 
to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourself. Now, if you go to a church (laughs) that does not focus on Jesus and it's be like me, you are going to examine yourself according to the person who's saying be like me. You are going to examine yourself according to, oh, let's let's invite old brother Bob up here on the stage. He's a great man of God. He's done this, 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 and this, and this, 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 and this, and this, and this, 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 and this, and this, 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 and this, and this, 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 and this. Oh, let's get Melba up. Come on, Melba. Melba does such a good job. Be like Melba. Be like Bob. Oh, this is a young person in our church right here. Bring him up. Oh, I cannot believe the good things that you do. Especially in this world, as young as you are, you are going to do great things. Be like them. But Paul said, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Test yourself. Test yourself. Examine yourself. Well, I'm examining myself according to them. I'm testing myself according to them. So I guess I should start dressing funny funny according to me because i probably dress funny to you so i should start adopting their style i should talk like them i should walk like them i should dress like them i should go to every place like them be like them you're you're judging yourself according to yourself which yourself is trying to be like them because all you hear is be like me preaching be like me (laughs) what does he say Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Test yourself. How? How, Paul? Go to church. Examine yourself. Go to church. Examine yourself. He doesn't say that. Here's what he says. And I'm going to stop for this. Realize that Christ Jesus is in you. That's how you test yourself. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourself. How? My gosh, Jesus is in me. (laughs) You know, we told the Colossians, Christ in you, your hope of glory. That's how you test. I don't feel it. Uh, He doesn't say anything about feeling. (laughs) I, I used to be on fire for the Lord and I just don't feel anything. He doesn't say anything about feeling. He says, realize realize Christ is in you. That's how you examine yourself. Not be like me preaching, not do all the stuff that this guy on stage tells you to do or to be like, or, you know, even if it's not at church, if it's on TikTok, you got so many stuff on so much stuff on TikTok and Instagram now where people want you to be like them. So you're not examining yourself and testing yourself to see if you're in the faith by realizing that Christ is in you. You're doing that by comparing yourself to somebody who has a half million followers, somebody who got 1.5 million likes or whatever. You're examining yourself by them. You just examine yourself by saying, I realize Christ is in me. Good to go. The Bible never tells you to feel anything. You might feel something, you might not. God's not against feelings, but the spirit is not a feeling. When you begin to think that the spirit is a feeling, you will chase feelings. 
You'll become a church hopper looking for more feelings. <laughs> I like his message. He makes me feel good. I like his message. He makes me feel like a bag of crap. And that's what I need. I need to be convicted of the Holy Spirit's guidance and judgment. They think if they don't feel bad when they leave, they didn't hear a good message. <laughs> but it's the gospel of grace. Acts 20, 24. So is that the gospel? No. And Jesus is grace. <laughs> All right, guys. So I hope this has encouraged you today. <laughs> you know, if you're going to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith and you're going to have a laundry list of stuff that you're doing, you have to be perfect like God. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 48, when he was talking to people who were looking to their own behavior for righteousness, be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. You think you're doing it right? You think because you stopped the porn and now you're a pastor, you're doing it right? Are you sure? <laughs> you think because you got off the street and you're no longer gangbanging, but now you are just a super aggressive dude and you're gangbanging for the Lord? <laughs> Forcing people into baptism and you better hurry up and here's your six steps. If you didn't do these six steps, you're an apostate. Fruit unto death, they produce galore. Perfect like God is the requirement. If you're looking to something that you're doing, or you can just realize Christ is in me. I'm good to go. All right, guys. Hope this has encouraged you today. I hope it's brought to light. Maybe some error, maybe some truth. But you should always tell the truth about yourself. It's the best way to live. What's the truth? You're righteous. You're holy. You're blameless. You're a new creation. You're a child of God. There's nothing wrong with you, and you are awesome. So always tell the truth about yourself, and always be yourself. Love y'all. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.